0: So um, if you're visiting this morning, it's my privilege to preach this morning, Uh, and we are doing a little study on Jude, the book of Jude, which is right before Revelation, and we are now on our fifth week of this book. I'm going to preach this week, and then next week John is going to encourage us. We're getting to the good part of Jude now, right? Because uh, up to now, Jude has been quite uh, stern on these false teachers that have infiltrated the church, and he's trying to speak strongly to the church and say, watch out for these people. What they're bringing into the church is not good for you. And so he's already used a number of Old Testament examples to illustrate his points. And um, now today we're going to look at these verses. So if you've got uh, your Bible, I trust you have your Bible (laughs) with you. Please, we're going to look at verse 14 to verse 19. I'm reading from the NIV this morning. And it says this. Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about them. He's talking about these... uh, loose-living, legalistic kind of people, that have super-spiritual people that have come into the church, uh, see the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of His holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all of them of the ungodly acts they have committed in their, un- un- in their ungodliness and of all the defiant words ungodly sinners have spoken against Him. That's a quote from Enoch. We're going to look at who, who Enoch was. Uh, These people are grumblers and fault finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. But, dear friends, that means you and me. But, dear friends, remember what the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, In the last times, there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts, and do not have the Holy Spirit. And do not have the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Jesus, once again, I want to thank you for your Word, which is an absolute gift to us. Thank you that it encourages us, that it refreshes us, that it builds us up. And I pray, Lord, as I preach this morning that I would do those things. I pray that you'd help me to communicate well and clearly and to encourage every single person that is here this morning and those that are watching online as well. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I already said to you that uh, Jude is quite well known um, for using unusual examples to illustrate what he's trying to say. And so last uh, week I preached and uh pointed you to some of those unusual examples. He talked about Balaam, and he talked about Cain, and he talked about Korah, and said that these people were like those Old Testament figures. And uh, if you missed last week's message, please just uh, catch up online. So he, he used those those um, examples to illustrate his point about these people that have infiltrated the church. And again today, I said to you right at the beginning of the series that one of the main themes of, of um, Jude is, is, is the people that try and change the nature and the character of the church. But a secondary theme is that of judgment. And we don't like to speak about judgment much. Uh, I'm a grace man. I love the grace of God. I love His kindness. I love the fact that He draws us with kindness into His kingdom. And yet at the same time, the Bible speaks about judgment. It speaks about that final day when God will judge between good and evil. And evil will be no more. And there will be no crying, and there will be no sin, and there will be no pain. Let's look forward to that day. And as for us as Christians, the promise of the Bible is if you put your faith in Jesus, there's no judgment of your sin. It's not going to be exposed. Why? Because already it's been dealt with on the cross. And so when you meet with Jesus one day on that final day of judgment, it's going to be to see His smile upon His face saying, Well done, good and faithful servant. Here is the inheritance Here is the reward that I have for you. That's a wonderful thing to look forward to, isn't it? I am smiling beneath my beard if you can't see. Sometimes Helen says, you look quite stern with your beard. I don't mean to be stern. It's just that you can't see that I'm smiling, all right? But I I am smiling as I I preach this morning. What a glorious day that's going to be when we receive our reward from the great shepherd of the sheep. Amen. And so here this portion this morning, Jude quotes an Old Testament person who would have been very familiar to Jewish people. He quotes Enoch. Now, Enoch lived eight to 10,000 years ago. So, already when Jude quotes Enoch, it's already, he's speaking 8,000 years into Jewish history. All right? That's a long time. This Enoch predated Noah. He was before Noah. And so, here's has, he has the point is that the the Jewish community into which he was speaking would have been very familiar with with Enoch because he was well-respected in in the Jewish tradition. Um, And he's mentioned in the Bible in, in Genesis 5 and again in Hebrews chapter 11. And what we, in terms of our scripture, what we know him most for, is that he's one of two people in the Bible that didn't die. The Bible says these wonderful words about Enoch. It says, Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him up. So the other person that didn't die in the Bible was Elijah. Do you remember? Elijah just went straight up into heaven. So Enoch is one of the other people that didn't die. The problem with Enoch is because he lived such a long time ago, we don't really have anything left of what he said. And so there have been these collections of sayings that have been put together that have been attributed to Enoch, but no one really knows that they were written by Enoch, all right? So if you go online, you can search the book of Enoch, and you'll get a whole lot of things that come up. And those are all collections of sayings that people attribute to uh, Enoch, but we can't be for, for certain that he said them. And it's for that reason that the early church didn't include the book of Enoch in the canon of Scripture, because it couldn't be proved historically, all right? And there was a real sense of historical truth needed to be part of the canon of Scripture. And at the same time, it was very well, the book of Enoch was well respected in the Jewish community and was popular right uh, up until uh, the book, uh, the um, time of the apostles. And um, some of the details of Enoch are quite strange. It's quite speculative. So, for example, he talks a lot about the fall of the angels that we read about in Genesis um, chapter 6. And he describes in detail what he thinks happened but that's it's 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 all speculative uh, It can't be proved and uh, one of the church fathers fathers a guy called Tertullian, who lived in the first from about AD 155 to about AD 120 uh, 220 he was a north african he would have uh, grown up in algeria or somewhere like that to modern day um, algeria it's uh, old testament the, the 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 roman name was carthage he grew up in carthage he said this about the book of enoch he said um, that tradition teaches that Enoch's prophecies were preserved in Noah's Ark, and the Jewish people preserved the book of Enoch that way, and they were continued to be read during, up until the time of the apostles. But because there were testimonies that concerned Jesus as Messiah, the book was suppressed by the Jewish hierarchy so that um, people were, 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 didn't remain familiar to people. Now, we can't be certain about that, but that's what Tertullian says as one of the early church fathers. So the point is then, why is Jude quoting this book of Enoch here? Well, um, I think it's pretty much like he's doing this. If I was to quote um, something from Shakespeare to you or a great poet to you, I might not be able to prove historically exactly what Shakespeare was trying to say or what the poet was trying to say, but that quote might contain great truth that was worth speaking about and remembering. And so I think that's how um, uh, Jude is using Enoch here because there are some themes that Enoch um, brings to life that are already biblical themes that are just confirming what the Bible already teaches. And says, now I found it interesting reading this week because uh, you know that happens in other places in the Bible as well. Paul was well known for quoting things outside of scripture that have now become scripture to us. So I'm going to give you three examples. Uh, in Acts 17, verse 28, he, he quotes a Greek poet called Aratus, who was a famous Greek poet. And there was a, a famous, um, Zeus was one of the Greek gods, and there was a, people used to introduce Zeus. And in in, uh, Acts 17, 28, Paul says this when he's talking to the Athenians. He says, you know these words well, For in him we live and move and have our being, even as some of your own poets have said, we too are his offspring. That actually is a quote referencing Zeus. And Paul is saying it's not in Zeus that we live and move and have our being. Actually, it's in Jesus Christ. It's in him, God the Father, that we live and move and have our being. And some of your own p- poets have even said that. They didn't realize they were saying it about the wrong person. That's, what's, that's exactly what Paul is saying. He's taking a well-known quote, and he's saying, actually, it's about Jesus. It's about God the Father. It's not about Zeus. In him, we live and move and have our being. Now, there's another one for you. Um, Remember, I've spoken about this before, that there were Greek philosophers that Paul used to debate, and you can read about that in Athens. One of the Greek groups of philosophers were called the Stoics, and we still have a lot of their maxims that people live by today. To be Stoical is to be very English, isn't it? What are English people famous for? You just grin and bear it. You keep a a a stiff upper lip. What is that from? That's Stoicism. Stoicism taught that you don't, you don't experience things uh, very passionately, so you don't get too excited, because if you get too excited and you live too joyfully, you're going to get too disappointed, and you don't want to get disappointed, so you just keep things on an even keel. You just keep a stiff upper lip, just keep calm, and carry on. That's a stoical kind of view of life, All right. The other group was called, they were called Epicureans. And he has has another thing that you're going to know well. Paul quotes uh, an uh, Epicurean phrase in uh, 1 Corinthians 15 33. And he says this again, he's taking this phrase and he's applying it in a Christian way. He's saying, Do not be deceived. He has the Christian phrase Bad company ruins good morals. You heard that phrase before? So there was a a Stoic uh, Epicurean maxim that they live by, and Paul is saying, actually, this is what the gospel does in our lives, and be, be warned, this is true also in terms of the gospel, and the last one I want to quote um, is uh, in Titus 1.12, I find this one quite funny, uh, again, um, he's quoting a Greek poet called uh, Epidemius, and um, Paul says this, now, he's not agreeing with all that Epideminist says, obviously. He's just agreeing with Epideminist on this point. And this is the point that he's making. He says, of the Cretans, a prophet of their own has said this, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. This testimony of them is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharp, sharply, lest they may be sound in the faith. So he's being a little bit humorous. Of course, I wanted to say, George, George, this is not true of the Spartans, all right? It's not speaking about the Spartans. Spartans are handsome Greek bakers, aren't they? But he's talking about the Cretans here, all right? The Cretans. So what Paul does, when he takes these different things, he's not, he's not agreeing with everything that those people said. He's just saying, actually, on this thing I agree, and he uses it to... to um, to uh, uh, unpack the gospel in a way that people can understand. And so here he's doing Jude is doing the same thing. He's saying uh, he's not saying everything that Enoch ever wrote is absolutely true. It's gospel to us. He's saying that on this thing Enoch is right. And what is Enoch speaking about? He's speaking about the coming judgment at the end of time. And he says this, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict them all of the ungodly acts that they've committed. That's the first thing that Jude is saying, Enoch draws to our attention. Secondly, he says, Enoch says that this is going to happen, and when judgment comes, there are going to be thousands of holy ones that gather to witness this day of judgment. That's angels and godly people, and I've already said, we're all going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ, but not with fear in our hearts, with rejoicing in our hearts, knowing that we have a reward that God is going to give us. And thirdly, do you notice, I think this is the third reason that Jude quotes Enoch. He says it's not only about their evil deeds. He also says it's about their harsh words. Do you notice that? He says their defiant talk of ungodly people. And he's saying that eventually is going to be judged as well. And he, say, he adds these words, the defiant words of ungodly sinners that they've spoken against God. And so this is the point, And this is what I find so encouraging. Remember? Enoch lived eight to 10,000 years ago. And what is Enoch crying out to God? He's saying, God, there are ungodly people in the world that defy you through their actions and their words. They do not honor you in the slightest. 10,000 years ago. Jude is finding the oldest example that he can think of to make his point to the church 2,000 years ago. He's saying, guys, look back into our history. 10,000 years ago, This was the cry of Enoch's heart. Right now, for Jude, he's saying, this is the cry of my heart. God, there are still people that don't even recognize you, ungodly people that are coming into the church, trying to change the nature of the church, trying to change the nature of the gospel. My encouragement to you is 2,000 years later, we still have the same problem. It's not a new thing. And I want to encourage you with that. When we see all stuff happening in our culture and our community and there's pressure on the church to change, you change this, you change that, change the message and make it more relevant, it's not a new problem. Enoch knew about it 10,000 years ago. Jude knew about it 2,000 years ago. And we still have the same problem today. It encourages me deeply. History helps you to find perspective for your life. It helps you to find out how you fit in to God's plan. We are not the sum total of God's plan. We are just a little burp in eternity. I'm not meaning to be crude, but we really are. We are just a little blimp in eternity, and God has been working out His plan. He started many, many years ago, and Enoch was included in His plan 10,000 years ago, And the book of Acts, the church was included 2,000 years ago, and we are still included in God's plan of redemption today. Doesn't that encourage you? And so Judah's saying there will always be people who try to infiltrate the church and uh, try and change it and just say, tone down your message and make it more socially acceptable. Just make it more socially acceptable uh, at this given time. And so then he carries on in verse 16, and he says, he describes again what these people are like, these um, super spiritual people. He says, they are grumblers and fault finders, and they follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. (laughs) I've been involved in church for a long time. Um, I've been leading in church for over 30 years now. And when I was younger, I led worship for many, many years as well. And I I, I think that Jude is being absolutely profound here. He's describing um, how people actually infiltrate the church um, in a very practical way. He's saying they slip in unnoticed. And once they are in, they start trying to bring change and influence by just chirping in the background. Just chirping, 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 chirping. Just a little bit here, a little bit there. And actually what they're trying to do is they're trying to get the church to change. And so they're doing it through grumbling and complaining. That's how he says people try and change the nature of the church. I've seen that over, over many years. We have, we have that uh, additional pressure on us now of social media. Now we invite so many different speakers into our lives on, on the internet, right? And I've said this before. Not all of them are good for you, and not all of them are preaching the gospel, and we allow them to come and influence us in our lives, we invite them into our living room when we switch on the television. And we say, speak into my life. So I encourage you again, be careful what you watch. And be careful who you watch. It's not all true. It's not all the gospel. Don't believe everything that you get from televangelism. A lot of it is rubbish. A lot of it is about wanting people want to take your money. Be sharp. Come on now. Don't give your money. I've, I've, I kid you not. I have even seen an advert on American television for a Holy Ghost shower mask. I kid you not. A Holy Ghost shower mask with someone's hand that they have imprinted on. And if you put the Holy Ghost shower mask on your head, you will receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit imparted to you in the shower. And you can have all of this. All of this. For $25. I'm, I'm not joking. I wish I was. It's absolute garbage and rubbish. <laughs> don't let that into your mind, into your, into your heart. Don't let it into your living room. All right? That's what Jude is saying. People come in, and just by chirping, grumbling, they say, don't preach so much about being born again. That's too strong language in our culture. People don't want to know about this. Just tone down your message. Don't, don't say that there's supernatural stuff that happens in Christianity. I mean, people don't believe that anymore. You know I mean? Take the supernatural out and people will people believe your message. Don't, don't speak so much about the church being family and having relationship with people. Run it more like a business. You know, run it like a business. Make it really cool. Make it really, really cool so that people want to come in and, and entertain people. Don't, don't challenge them too much from the pulpit. Rather entertain them. That's the way that you're going to fill the place up. See, just, just change the message. Just change it slightly. Just make it more palatable. Now, there's one message. <laughs> I'm smiling. There's one message. We are all in need of a Savior. We cannot save ourselves. We are useless. at saving. We cannot save ourselves. We are drowning. And like drowning people, we need a Savior, and His name is Jesus. And whatever your background is, He can save you out of that background and give you a hope for today and a bright hope for future and transform your life completely by the power of His Holy Spirit. There's one Savior. His name is Jesus Christ. That's the message. And so social action is good. But apart from the gospel, it's just social action. Must be, all of our actions must be rooted in the gospel. And so Jude says these guys are complainers. And I've seen this. You know, whenever I get out of touch in my life with the Lord Jesus, what I start doing? Start complaining. Everything loses perspective when we take our eyes off Jesus, then everything becomes a problem. The government is a problem. They're not allowing us to do this. We want to do that. The politicians are the problem. The politi- Well, the politicians have always been the problem, haven't they? So there's so many other things we can point to. When we get out of touch with Jesus and we lose contact with Him, then we start complaining in so many areas of our lives. And what does Paul say over and over in the Scripture? Give thanks. I found this in my life. Gratitude changes everything. When you just see... With gratitude in your heart, you can see how much God has blessed you with. When I look back over this last year of the life of this church, I can say, gee, it was a tough year. Or I can say, you know, it was a tough year, but God, how have you blessed us? And can you look around this room and see how God has blessed us? (laughs) I don't know how it works. God's economy is not the same as ours. But this year, God has blessed us in every way. All right? We're about to repair the roof upstairs. And do you notice we haven't had to ask you for one penny? It's going to cost 45,000 pounds. We haven't asked you once for money. Do you know why? Because God is kind. And in the midst of this thing, he's given us extra money that we've saved. And we've now been able to do the roof without asking you for a cent. How does that work in the middle of the lockdown? I don't know. All I know is God is good and kind and generous in every way. And if you put all of your trust in him, and you follow him with all of your heart, his promise is to you, I will give you everything that you need for this ministry. That's his promise. It's beautiful, isn't it? He's good to us. And so let's 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 be grateful. Um, uh, this is what Spurgeon says when he looks at these words about these grumblers that have come to the church. He says this. He was a famous preacher in London in the uh, late uh, 19th century. He says, you you know the sort of people alluded to here. Nothing ever satisfies them. They are discontent even with the gospel. The bread of heaven must be cut into three dainty little pieces and served on napkins, or else they cannot eat it. And very soon their, their soul hates even this light bread. There's no way by which a Christian man can serve God as to please them. They will pick holes in every preacher's coat. And if the great high priest himself was here, they would find fault with the color of the stones of his breastplate. It's powerful, isn't it? He is saying that don't be like a complainer. Secondly, he says they were flatterers. They're, they're, they're people that said what they needed to say to try and get influence in the church. They were smooth talkers. And they talk in any way as to get an advantage. And so basically, Judas is saying, in summary, these people don't believe the gospel. They don't believe in being truly born again by the Spirit of God. They just have their own selfish reasons of trying to get into the church community and use it for their own advantage. Don't have anything to do with them. Um, And then he points them forward and he says, but remember, God is coming. Jesus is coming again and he's going to judge every false motive and you don't need to worry about it. So uh, I want to say again, My encouragement to you, Enoch knew about this 8,000 years ago. (laughs) Jude knew about it 2,000 years ago. In many ways, it's still the same problem we face. As churches today. So what do we do? How do we respond? Well, I'm so glad that Jude's letter doesn't end with a judgment about the coming judgment. He's he's, he's starting to move now into the the good part of the letter. And John's going to teach us some more next week. But here already he hints at what he's coming to. He says, but you, dear friends, you, 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 remember what the apostle said. Remember. Remind yourself. What is he saying? He's announcing and saying, I'm reminding you guys in the church that you are different. You have a different destiny in God. You have a Savior. You have a faith. You know the Holy Spirit in you. Remain in God's love. Remain in God's mercy. And we are to be confident that it's God who's able to keep us and present us faultless before the throne of God one day. He's saying, remember that you are different. Don't think like everyone else. Remember, you have the Holy Spirit. You have been saved by grace through faith. That changes everything. Remember who you are. And so, he's saying ultimately, God is going to deal with these people, these super spiritual ones that are trying to divide the church. He says that's what they are. They try and divide. You, on the other hand, my friends, lovingly contend for faith, stand on the word. Remain in God's presence in your life and trust Him that He's going to move you from one degree of glory to the other. And um, what does He say? He says, "These people are scoffers." I've experienced some scoffers in my life. You know what a scoffer is? I think I think I think we endanger in, in our culture. I want to say that this is what gives me hope for the future. You know, right now, if you get uh, if someone disagrees with you on social media, you get cancelled, right? Cancelled. You know what we're sowing into our culture? We are sowing unforgiveness, and we are sowing a lack of grace. We are saying to people, it's not possible that you can change. When we cancel people, that's what we're saying. Well, I want to tell you, this is the great message of the church. Every one of us can change. This is the message of the gospel. You don't have to say the same. Jesus can change you. And even if I said something 10 years ago that was offensive to some group or other, Jesus has forgiven me, and I have a hope and a security in the future because of his grace in my life that is transforming me from one degree of glory to the other. And so you don't have to fear being canceled, all right? In the, in the church of Jesus Christ, you don't have to fear being canceled. The old is gone, and every time someone tries to remind you of something that you did 15 years ago, just remember that the blood of Christ is on your life. And if you've confessed that thing, it's gone. No longer has power over you. Man, that's good news. I've got distracted this morning, but that's what I want to say to you. A scoffer, a scoffer. What is a scoffer? I've, I've experienced scoffers in my life. Scoffers are people that put you down and laugh at you to win the argument. Have you ever had people like that in your life? They're not very thoughtful people. They'll do anything to win the argument. And so they're scoffers. They'll poke fun at you. They'll kind of, oh, that's that's absolutely ridiculous to believe that. So they can win the argument, and so in their own eyes, they see themselves as quite intelligent, and that they, their intelligence is leading them in a way that you can't quite see because you know you're so naive and you just you just your opinion doesn't count for anything. And yet, Jude says actually, these people lack self-awareness, and actually they're only going after the base desires of their nature rather than spiritual things. And actually, they don't even have the Holy Spirit. They think they do, but they don't even have the Holy Spirit. They're just living for their base, natural desire. And so, he warns us about those people. They think they're really clever and gifted and intellectual, but really they're just gripped by their own desires. And they think they're being led forward by one thing, but actually they're going after Completely a different thing. And because of this, they bring separation into the church and they do not have the spirit. Um, it's interesting there, the word for natural instinct in the Greek means soulish. And that, it simply means being ruled by your appetites, your animal appetites, to be soulish. That's what it means. <laughs> when I look at our culture, I see people ruled by their appetites. Appetite for sex, money, power, it rules them all the time. And Paul says... Uh, Jude says, actually, that's not even spiritual. That's not even having the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit changes the desires of your heart and helps you to go after other things. Things other than money, sex, and power. That's just being a base person. It's not being a spiritual person. And so, you're saying, don't give yourself to that, but give yourselves to the things of the Spirit. And so, to finish this morning... How does Jude say we should respond to all of these challenges and to these people? Well, significantly, he doesn't tell us to fight with people. Do you notice that? He doesn't tell us to fight. He doesn't tell us to be really vocal and disagree and fight all the time. There's so much anger in the world, you know? I'm so tired. It drains me every time I read the news. So much anger. People angry about everything. About Everything. Politics, there's a whole lot of stuff happening in Israel right now, and people are so angry about that. Protests everywhere, and of course, these things are are not just, and we need to be socially aware of things. But so much anger. Jude says, don't be angry. Don't cancel people. And we're going to look at that next week. Don't cancel people that disagree with you. God's going to deal with it in time. This is what you do, my dear friends. Build yourself up in your most holy faith. Love the presence of God. Enjoy the Holy Spirit. Let God on the inside of you make you strong so that whatever comes against you, you stand like a rock. That's what Jesus is saying. Contend for faith. You build yourself up on the inside. That whatever comes against you, you will stand. Don't fight. Don't argue. Don't cancel. You just preach the truth and you live the truth, and in time, God will bring judgment on things that are unjust. You live your life to please Him, and as you please Him, you will point people to Him, and the kingdom will come in you, and the kingdom will come through you, and begin to transform your family, and your friends, and your community. That's what you do, my dear friends. Build yourself up. Isn't that wonderful? It's, that's so beautiful to me. Because I don't want to (laughs) fight. I don't want to fight with people. I want to encourage them to know Christ. And as they know Christ, he begins to change everything on the inside. And as the inside gets stronger and more secure, we can deflect other things that are not true. We can make him our focus. So I'm saying, to conclude, that the opposite of being a scoffer is to be a believer. That's the opposite. We truly, if we want to avoid being one thing, you go after the authentic. And What is the authentic? The authentic is to believe in Jesus, to believe wholeheartedly in all that he's promised us. Uh, the, the authentic is that we don't divide friends. We encourage fellowship for all of God's people. We're not ruled by our natural instincts, our animal-like instincts. No, we're ruled by the Holy Spirit. That's the authentic. So we begin to see This is what Jude is encouraging us to do. And next week, we'll look at some more wonderful things that he says we should give our attention to. And this this letter ends with those beautiful words that we know so well. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling. Beautiful, beautiful doxology that we can quote. That's how Jude ends. He points us to Jesus. He points us to Jesus and says, go after him. With your whole heart, and God will deal with the rest. Amen. Stuart, can you and your team come and lead us? We're going to sing "Living Hope" to finish. I'm going to pray. Let's pray while the team is getting ready. Jesus, I want to thank you for your favor and your grace, and, th- and thank you, Lord, for your words that builds us up and encourages us. And I want to pray, Lord, that. Um, you would show us, give us wisdom to be able to focus on the right things as we go forward. Uh, Lord, we, we want to be part of those that are bringing solutions into our, our culture and into our families. We want to be those that are pointing people to Jesus. Help us by the power of your Spirit to do that. Lord, help us to respond in a way that's quite unlike our culture. Help us to forgive. Help us to give people a second chance. Help us not to cancel people that disagree with us, but to keep on loving them and keep on trusting that you are changing all of us to be more and more like your son. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to continue your work in our lives. We ask that you continue to speak to us, that we might hear your heart and your voice, and that we might, through our lives, point many sons to glory.